King Jehoshaphat uh, had a problem. He had a pretty serious problem. There was a vast army. King Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. There's a vast army. All kinds of armies actually came together and were descending upon him and were going to just smash them. It was going to be a slaughter. Everybody knew it, including King Jehoshaphat. And they didn't know what to do. So finally he decided to call all the people in Judah to fast and to pray for God to intervene. And so they did. And somebody stood up in a large worship service they were having and said, you know, after this time of prayer and fasting, I think everything is going to be okay. God is going to take care of us. And sure enough, they took the army that they had, which could never match against the army that was coming against them. And they marched out to meet this other army, these armies that came together to destroy them. And here's what happened. Those armies made up of all kinds of different kingdoms that had come together. The day before the big battle, they got in a fight with each other. Yes, there was dissension. And what's interesting, it says in the scripture, is that God set ambushes for them and caused them to turn against each other. And they actually slaughtered each other. So when King Jehoshaphat shows up with his army, everybody's already gone. Everybody's dead without firing one arrow. What do you do in times when you need divine intervention? What we're going to talk about this morning is there's a very simple and straightforward plan that's presented to us in the Bible. Oftentimes in my life, I forget about the straightforward plan. I forget about it because you know why? I get so busy trying to figure out how I'm going to figure things out myself, how I'm going to make things right myself. And I forget about this very simple, straightforward plan of fasting and praying. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're just going to look at a bunch of different occasions in the Bible, why people fasted and what fasting is all about and what does that mean to our lives. So let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, pray that you just be with us this morning. Give us insight to your word and help us to understand what you're trying to say to each one of us today, individually, collectively. In Christ's name, amen. Do, do our lives and does this world need divine intervention? I'd have to say yes. When you take a look around you at what's happening in Libya, Egypt, Afghanistan, Yemen, Jordan, the list goes on and on and on. As you watch the TV and you see all the crisis situations that's happening, our economy, the world's economy, what's happening in Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, Charlie Sheen. I mean, the whole, the whole world is going crazy. We need divine intervention. What's on your personal list? right? You have a health issue. You have a financial issue. You need direction in your life, your career, right? Friends, family, all these things that are on your personal list. What do you do when you need divine intervention? And does God give us clues from his word of things that we can do that we can lock our little fingers right around and say, here's something that I can do when I need divine intervention in my life. As I said a second ago, what I did is I looked at every time there was fasting going on in the Bible and tried to learn because I've heard about it for years, but I've never done like an exhaustive study. So I looked at every single time and tried to learn some things. And here's a few things of what I have learned. First of all, and there's your first fill in the blank if you want to follow along on the back of that blue bulletin. Fasting is always associated with times of intense prayer. It's very important. It's always associated with times of intense prayer. You just don't fast. It's like not another normal day. Just, oh, okay, I'm going to fast today. And then you go about this. No, fasting is associated with times of intense prayer. Like maybe instead of eating, man, you really, you do some serious praying for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes about whatever it is that you're concerned about, whatever you're bringing before God. 
It's always, you read about praying in the Bible without fasting mentioned, but you never read in the Bible about fasting without prayer being mentioned. It's an important note. Here's another thing. Fasting is voluntary, always voluntary, always, 100% of the time is voluntary. There was only one time when it wasn't voluntary and it's no longer valid anymore, and that was in Leviticus on the Day of Atonement. And no longer do we need to have the Day of Atonement because of Jesus Christ. So it's always voluntary now, 100% of the time. It's voluntary. Although Jesus assumed that his followers would fast, and we'll look at that in just a second in Matthew chapter 6. People fasted in the Bible because they were desperate for God's help. People fasted because they realized they were dependent upon God, which leads us to our next point. Fasting does not gain you spiritual brownie points. Fasting does not gain you spiritual brownie points. Look at this. When you fast, God, so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus Christ is speaking to a group of people, and he talks about three major things in their life. He talks about fasting, he talks about prayer, and he talks about giving of money. He says, you know, you've got to do it for the right reasons. And so he's talking to a group of people who would fast two days every week. That was his audience. They would fast two days every week because they thought it made them more spiritual. They didn't have something they were fasting about. They just fasted to fast. I'm going to fast. And I'm going to go and tell everybody I'm fasting because everybody's going to think I'm really spiritual. Well, look what he says. He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do who try to look pale and disheveled. They would, you know, ruffle up their clothes and they'd put dust all over their face so everybody could say, oh, you're fasting. And they'd say, yes, that's right. I'm fasting. Right. Don't, don't try to look pale and disheveled so people would admire you for their admire them for their fasting. I assure you that it is the only reward that you'll ever get. In other words, if you fast and you run around, and say, hey, I'm fasting. Look at me. Aren't I so good? And God's saying that's the only reward that you'll ever get. If that's your attitude, here's the thing. You fast because there's a need. You just don't fast to fast. You fast because there's something important. Now, that could be like a huge need, something you're really concerned, like you wake up every day thinking about, crying about, desperate about, or it could be a, a lower level need. Whatever it is, there's a reason behind the fasting through the Bible, always. There is always a reason behind it. Fasting does not, in and of itself, draw you closer to God. Fasting, you don't, you don't read and the Bible says, hey, fast and you're going to get closer to God. The Bible says that what, what, is draw, what draws us closer to God? God's word, the study, the reading, the meditation of the word of God draws us closer to God. Prayer draws us closer to God. Now, what's interesting is, is that when we fast, always associated time with intense prayer. So if you're doing it the biblical way, then of course you're praying and of course it's drawing you closer to God. In the Bible, in the Bible, the, the Bible metaphorically is talked about being food. So in other words, instead of eating a meal, a particular meal, you'd pull out the Bible and you'd read it because that would be your food. So you'd be praying and you'd be reading the Bible and you put the two together. And that draws you closer to God. But in and of itself, it does not draw you closer to God. Now, we, uh, we've done two fasts in the last six, six months. We've had people fast. And I asked some people to give me some responses about what's happened in their own lives. And so, because we just wanted to gauge, does anything happen? And we've got the biblical record, but what about right here at Grace Community Church? For just us, little old us, has anything happened when we have fasted during these two different times? So I asked a few people, we put it on video, we want you to watch that right now. So watch the screen. Hi, I'm Megan Mitchell, and I've been attending Grace for a little over two years now. 
Well, I'd never done a true fast before. It's not something um, I was raised doing. So when I heard Pastor John ask for it, I was real skeptical. I've always trained sort of like an athlete, uh, five to six days a week in the gym, rather hard, and I eat very regular meals four, five, and six times a day. So the idea of a fast scared me. And when I decided to do it, um, I prepared myself the day before, and I didn't work out, of course, on the day of the fast, but um, I knew I'd be hungry, and I did what the church said to do in terms of praying and reading the psalm that we were given. And I was extremely surprised by how well-sustained I was during the day. And, and when I would have a feeling of, of true hunger or a need, I would read the psalm and I would pray, and I really felt like my prayers were answered because my my concentration that I was lacking would come back and my hunger would subside and I could concentrate and really truly pray and it was an experience I never expected. Hi, my name is Steve Enfried. I've been going to Grace since October. What I was up against was the whole bureaucracy of the Pentagon per se in that I work there but I'm new so I don't have any of the political you know ins and outs and no can pull any strings so just like God um, my retirement was coming due this September and if I didn't meet that time I really need an extension to my orders through September um, but I put in my paperwork it was blocked it was from December all the way through now and so we did the fast thing and then my boss who's also brand new went upstairs and fought for me with the generals and got me extended through September so I retire I can retire and if I stay on past that it's all gravy but bottom line is God just protected us in that arena that we can't fight on ourselves for ourselves so I had lots of things I had relational issues my sister for example um, their marriage has been on the rocks for about six years and I'd seen absolutely no breakthrough and then after this I, I was texting her a couple of nights ago and she had mentioned that she had actually gone to my brother-in-law and asked for forgiveness from in a relationship manner for the things that she had done. Uh, hi, my name is Sarah and most people know me here as Sarah Queso, but I also go by Sarah Condi. That's my married name. One of the things I prayed for was my husband to get, if it was God's will, to get a promotion at work and he got it on that day of the fast. So that was really exciting. And then my brother has been struggling to get a job for a really long time. and. I just had this faith I've never had before. He just really, I just believed that God was going to do this. And he got a job about two weeks ago. So that was really exciting and a huge answer. And I felt that the fast really bolstered my own faith. We're Jeff and MJ Bardwell. We've never fasted before, but we see fasting as a way to uh, demonstrate your commitment to God. And uh, when the call to fast came up, we were pretty eager to find um, a new way that we've never experienced to, to demonstrate that commitment. And we had a lot of stress at that point because we were buying a house and it was a big messy a house buy. Um, but we really wanted to, to, to find a way to show God our commitment to something because we don't believe that God's like a genie. He just does whatever you want, uh, grants wishes. You know, you have to show that you're willing to work for yourself before he's willing to work for you. And we saw fasting as a way to demonstrate our commitment uh, and, and pray for God's help the rest of the way. You know, we've got our first home, which is pretty incredible because if you'd asked us a couple of years ago if we'd be able to buy a house in Arlington, we'd, we'd have laughed. But, um, you know, it's pretty incredible over the past couple of years how, how blessed we've been and now that we've been able to, to buy a home. It's pretty cool. I'm Stacy Thompson, and I'm reading this on behalf of my friend Maureen Pam. On December 21st, my 15-year-old niece, Kara, suffered a brain hemorrhage that left her in a coma for several weeks. Although she was surrounded by an excellent medical team, the doctors couldn't explain why a healthy young girl would have such a severe brain bleed and they couldn't tell us if she would ever wake up or if she did if she would recognize her family, talk, walk, or regain basic functions. 
It was hard to remain upbeat, even though we remained steadfast in our faith in God. The very day after the prayer fast, Kara showed the first sign of healing. She squeezed her mother's hand. Over the past month, she's continued to improve and was taken off the ventilator, able to breathe on her own. She woke up one day and she smiled. Though she hasn't regained her speech, she understands everything around her. The doctors cannot explain why she has improved so much, except that it is a miracle. Okay, those are just a few of the uh, ones that we have recorded. Others have sent stuff to me, but uh, I think that's pretty cool. So here's the next fill in the blank. The word, the Greek word for fasting, nestia, means to abstain from food, to abstain from food. Now, let's just take a quick time out. I want to say this. There's no guilt. This is not a message of guilt to make you feel guilty if you don't fast. You know why? Because fasting is totally voluntary. It's something that you just want to do. It's not something saying, you got to fast, and if you don't fast, you know, then you're not spiritual or you're not in support of Jesus or the church or whatever. No, it's totally voluntary. It has nothing to do with guilt. I also want to say this. This is not like a really cool weight loss program, okay? It's not like you say, you know what, cool, man, I can fast, and I get closer to God and get my prayers answered, and I can lose weight like an infomercial for one of those little chemicals, you know, it cleans grease, it cleans scum, it cleans nuclear waste, you know, whatever, it does everything fasting. Oh, my gosh, I can just fast and everything's taken care of. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here at all. Now, also, I want to say, most of us in this room can fast. But anytime I've ever like briefly mentioned, I always have people come to say, you know what, I can't fast because I got physical problems. Okay, fine. It's voluntary. You don't have to fast. Most of us in this room can. For the few of you in this room who cannot fast for some physical reason, maybe you can seriously modify your food consumption. Like if you got to fast, maybe you can eat, I don't know, I don't know your particular deal. Maybe you can eat a, a little piece of celery three times a day or something. I don't Whatever. You'll figure it out if it's important to you, but you don't have to do it. That's what you need to know. You don't have to do it. All right. Fasting in the Bible, the common thing for fasting in the Bible is that you would not eat food from sundown one day to sundown the next if you were doing a day fast, if you're doing a day fast, sundown to sundown. That's how it goes. All right. You'd eat. You would not eat food and you would drink only water. That is the most common kind of fast that we see in the Bible. Now, you might say, hey, John, what's the deal with food, man? I mean, what's food some kind of spiritual thing i don't know but as i read through the bible here's what struck me and this is something that i'd never seen before food plays a very prominent role in the and important and a very prominent role in the bible let me ask you a couple questions work with me here so when satan tempted adam and eve what did he use yell it out food basically food right okay how many times was Jesus Christ tempted by Satan? How many times before he began his ministry? How many? Number three. What was the first temptation? Go ahead. Say it with confidence. Confidence. Food. It was about, it was about bread. It was about bread, right? All right. When Esau sold, sells out his, this incredible thing, he's going to get all the inheritance of his family and receive a spiritual blessing and a material blessing, and a family blessing. What does he sell out his birthright for? food. Isn't that interesting? When the Israelites who were set free from slavery, what were they willing to become in? I mean, all the brutality of being enslaved. What was it that was leading them back to saying, oh, we want to be enslaved again? What was it? 
food repeatedly. Let me read it to you. Numbers 11. And this isn't the only one. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember all the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. We had all the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and garlic that we needed. Ah, does that make you hungry? Okay. The Corinthian church, we just got studying them. They were food gluttons. Food was actually a major problem that caused spiritual, check this out, spiritual problems in their lives. I think that's interesting. Proverbs 23 says we should be very careful who we eat with. Why? Can't we just eat with anybody? He says, no, you'd be very careful who you eat with. Philippians 3.19 says, speaking to a group of people, their destiny is destruction. Why is their destiny destruction, you might ask? Here's why it says, because their God is their stomach. These are things I never saw before. What's up? I love to eat. I mean, come on. Nothing could be wrong with eating. Deuteronomy 32. There's a guy named Jeshurun. Jeshurun in Deuteronomy 32. And here's what it says about him. He says, he loved food so much that he abandoned God. That's wild. Jeremiah 5, 7. Check this one out. God speaking. When I had fed them to the full, they committed spiritual adultery. What is the deal with food? All right, help me out. That's all the Bible stuff. Help me out here for a second. A recent popular book and movie, and on the cover it says, One Woman's Search for Everything. There's three words in the title. What's the first word? Eat. Thank you very much. Food is important in the Bible. It's important today for some reason. And here are some major reasons why people fasted and prayed in the Bible. All right, here we go. We're just going to run through some things, some fasting events, and what was going on. People fasted because they needed protection. So why would you fast? You would fast because you need protection in some way. In your life or in somebody else's life. Acts 14, 23 says, with prayer and fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord. The word entrust means to place in the protective hands of Almighty God. To place in the protective hands of Almighty God. So maybe you have a family member or a friend or a child or a spouse that you want to place in the protective hands of God. Or maybe you want to place your career in the protective we just saw steve say a second ago he needed help with his career and so he fasted and god protected that situation because he fasted maybe you've got someone or something you need to place in the hands of god your career a relationship your favorite pastor you know whatever it might be right you say i want god's protection over this person over this thing and so that's why you would fast all right there's the first one you fast because you need protection here's the second one you fast because you need direction protection direction you know, what do you do Acts chapter 13, as, we, as Acts 13 begins, they had some serious questions. How many times do we, I mean, one of the most popular questions I ever get is, hey, John, could you help me out? What do you think God's will is for my life? Oh, that's easy. Let's sit down and figure it out right now. That, that's a difficult one. Where should I go in my life? What should I do? How do I solve this problem? In Acts chapter 13, they were trying to figure out what to do. Who should they send out and where should they go? So we're told in Acts 13 that they fasted and prayed and the Holy Spirit spoke to their hearts and says, set apart Barnabas and Saul and here's where you're going to send them to. Here's where they're going to go. So we fast when we need direction. Next one, fast because you need power. And when I say power here, I mean the power of the Holy Spirit. Fast because you need power. So we talked a few moments ago about Jesus Christ being tempted. He fasted for 40 days and he was tempted during that 40-day fast. And then we're told after that temptation, right on the heels of it, he comes out of the desert and he says he's filled.
filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Sir, those are those of us, many of us, all in this room, we all have temptations. And if you need help to kind of break the grip of a temptation or a vice or whatever it is over your life, fasting is a great way to go. Fasting is something, you know, if I'm having, I'm struggling with something, according to the Bible, when we fast, the Holy Spirit will give us power as we add prayer to that. And so we see Jesus Christ doing that right here. He fasts. You might remember a, a situation in the Bible. It's contained in three of the Gospels that a young boy was brought to the disciples of Jesus Christ. And he had a serious illness. And they prayed for him, but nothing happened. And then Jesus comes. They said, you know, Jesus, can you pray? The Father says, please, Jesus. Your disciples couldn't do a thing for this boy. Can you, can you help out here? He says, sure. He prays, and the boy is healed. And the disciples, after the boy, you know, what happened? How come we couldn't do that? I mean, we prayed just like you did. How can we do it? And Jesus says these words. Just look. Sometimes things are only solved by prayer and what? Fasting. There's something about adding fasting to our prayer that brings a certain amount of power. This is what the Bible indicates to us. Jesus fasts. He's filled with the power of the Spirit. People fast and pray, and there's answers that are given. It's powerful. All right, here's the next one. We fast, fast because you need to avoid destruction. We already talked about Jehoshaphat just a few moments ago. He needed to avoid destruction. There are a couple other events in the Bible that talk about this, about people needing to avoid destruction. Esther, Queen Esther, she is Jewish. The king doesn't even know that she is Jewish. She's been elected queen, right, over the Mede and Persian Empire. And there was a guy, wicked, wicked Haman, who couldn't stand the Jewish people and not realizing the queen was Jewish herself. And he devises this plan and he writes this bill into law that every single Jewish person in that kingdom would be assassinated on a set date. Esther finds out about it. She needs to do something. So what does she do to avoid the disaster? She needed divine intervention. She says, I need everybody, every Jewish person in this kingdom to fast and to pray because we need God's help. People fast and pray because they're desperate and they realize how dependent they are upon God. And so they fast and pray and the whole disaster is completely avoided. How about, how about Jonah? God says, Jonah, once you go to this town of Nineveh, huge city. They estimate 250,000 people lived in the city of Nineveh. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them that a destruction is on its way. That city is going to be destroyed, and all the people in it, I need you to go and warn them. So he goes and he warns them. What happens? The king, a pagan king, says, everybody's fast. We've got to all fast, and we've got to pray. He says, men, women, children, animals, animals. He even has the animals my kids are trying to teach our, teach our dog how to pray. I don't know if the animals, I don't, know if the, I don't know if the animals here were praying or what was going on, but the king, he was serious. Every, and the disaster was avoided. I want to say something here. There's power in numbers when it comes to fasting. That's what it seems to be associated with. As I read in the Bible, something about numbers. Collective fasting is effective. Collective fasting is is effective we fast for personal issues we fast for larger issues whatever the case may be we fast we fast for our nation we fast for our world we fast for things that are particular to our lives what's big on god's agenda though there's no problem with us fasting for the things that are just personal there's absolutely no problem but we need to add to it every now and then something that's like high up on god's to-do list and what would be high up on god's to-do list the salvation of all people that no person would perish 
here's what I want to ask you to do. Here's what I really think we should do as a part of this. So we're doing this mailer, and it's all about entering into life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the mailer's about. And we live in a city, in a city with a lot of people, and some of us even right in this room, that we need to enter into that full life with Jesus Christ. Some of us in this room still need to cross that line of faith. Surely we're surrounded by people who need to cross that line of faith. And God wants every single person to come into that. That's what he longs for as you read through the scripture. That's very clear. Here's what I think we should do. I think we should all link our arms like one big family. I think what God is calling us to do is link our arms like one big family and have a collective fast this Tuesday. And fast and pray that when, when this mailer gets to people's hands, not so much that they would show up here at church. That, that, that really, in a grand scheme of things, does not matter. But that somehow maybe God would use this as a tool to speak to people. And maybe they would open their hearts. Maybe somebody would come across. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how it works. But that somehow people would open their hearts. I, what I really think, though, is, is all of us need to link our arms together and to fast and to pray for people to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, which is way up top, number one, on God's to-do list. So this Tuesday, we're going to do that. What is this Tuesday? What's the problem with this Tuesday? Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is Tuesday. What does Mardi Gras mean in French? Fat Tuesday. Thank you very much. Fat Tuesday. Why is it Fat Tuesday? Why Fat Tuesday? It's a day of excess. Mardi Gras, it all has, Mardi Gras is all about church history. Ash Wednesday, you enter a time of sacrifice, you enter a time of devotion, you enter a time of thinking about what Jesus Christ did for you. That's what you would do. So where'd Mardi Gras come? Well, then you would have an all-big-time blowout on Tuesday, right before Wednesday would start. And so all the stuff that happens in New York City and New Orleans and Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, all that stuff, man, that all happened. That's all church history. That's what generated this whole thing. So you, what you would do is on that Tuesday, you would go to the excess. So during, during the Lenten period, you wouldn't eat things that are sweet, you know, you, you would stay away from, you know, sweets and sugars and anything that really, because you just wanted to eat things like celery or whatever, right? So this is what you would do, things that are really healthy for you. So Fat Tuesday, you're like, man, you just do it up. So you'll drive around here and you'll see a lot of churches with signs out. Maybe you, what, what's up with this? Pancake supper, Tuesday night. What's up with the pancake supper? Why? That's all about Mardi Gras. Syrup, sweets, all this, and she, you would do it up. So you know what? It's a big sacrifice, isn't it? It's a big sacrifice, even bigger side. You might say, hey, man, did you do that intentionally to make things extra hard on? Because we like to go out and party. And no, actually, we're not thinking that far ahead. This is a very practical thing. We only have a place available to us on Tuesday night to collectively fast and pray. That's what it's all. That's, that's really what it's all. But it's a, big, it, it's a big sacrifice, isn't it? It's a big sacrifice. Anybody who knows me and my wife, Krista, over here, well, you, everybody knows we're huge party animals. Man, we'd stand up. 10, 11 o'clock at night, drinking Cokes and root beer. I mean, we just, we just let it all hang out. It's wild. This is a huge sacrifice to us. Huge sacrifice to us, you know, to, you know, to give all that up. But 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 30 says, God says this, as you know, God says, if you honor me, I will honor you. Here's the thing. Some of you might need to change your plans for Tuesday, your eating plans and your partying plans. But God might have something much bigger on the agenda for you that night and for the people around you. I think we need to collectively fast because our world needs it and people need to come to saving faith and you've got a health issue or you've got a finance issue or you've got some issue or you need direction in your life and you just need to, you know, hey, it's serious. Let's do it. Let's jump into it and let's fast and pray and see what God will do. Okay, moving on. Fast because you need an answer. Fast because the book of Daniel is excellent. You can read through this book. There's all kinds of questions asked. 
serious questions. People are desperate for an answer to certain questions. In the book of Daniel, there's constant answers that are given. Tough, tough questions. I look back in my life, and when I really, really, really needed to figure out, God, what were you calling me to do in life? Should I go into the ministry? God, are you calling me to do it? Big question. I mean, we've got to make big decisions when we're at a young age and we're limited with our knowledge. And I didn't have anything else to turn to, so I fasted. When I had to consider, Lord, who do you want me to marry? What's my mission and who is my mate? I didn't know who I needed. An, nobody else could tell me this. I needed an answer from God. And I spent a huge amount of time fasting and praying. And here's the great thing. God gave me an answer. Some of us here today, you need an answer. You need an answer about something. Maybe you need to consider fasting and praying and seeking God for that answer. You look at the book of Daniel. The whole book begins in Daniel chapter 1 with the fast. In Daniel chapter 6, there's a group of people who could not stand Daniel. And so they conned the king. They tricked him. They tricked him to writing this law where he actually, if anybody prayed, if anybody said a prayer, that they would be arrested and thrown in, a, uh, in a, a lion's den, right? So they trick King Darius into doing this. And Daniel's his favorite advisor. And he just blew it. He made a bad mistake. And so he writes this into law. And sure enough, Daniel, he's going he's gonna to keep praying. He goes up to his room and he throws open the windows. And even though it's against the law, he says, man, he's praying to God. So he's coming, he's arrested. And King Darius was so distraught, a pagan king was so distraught that we're told that he doesn't eat any food all night long. Just no dinner tonight. And the palace was all about eating, gorging yourself. No dinner tonight. All I've got to do is fast and pray because God's got to save Daniel. And the next morning, crack of dawn, he runs down to that den and he screams in there. He says, Daniel, was your God powerful enough to save you? And Daniel screams back, oh, king, live forever. Live forever. God has shut the mouth of the lions. If you need an answer, get, how about check this out? Daniel chapter 9 and 10. So I think Daniel is one of the most fasting books in the Bible. And it's one of the books where you get the most questions and the most answers to questions. Daniel 9 and 10, Dan, we see Daniel fasting three weeks, each time, three weeks. Here's the thing. God had given him a vision. The Messiah is coming, and Daniel needed clarification. Who is the Messiah? Are some of you here today wondering, is Jesus Christ the Savior of the world? Check this out. So is Daniel. He's trying to figure that out. He's trying to figure out who is the Savior, when is he coming, what's the timeline, I really need him. And so he fasts and prays, and God reveals the answer to him. He reveals the answer. If you need an answer, you really should consider fasting and praying. Last point, and then I'm done. Fast because you need to get your life back on track. Fast because you need to get your life back on track. Here's the reality, and I'm the same way. There are times in our lives when we just fall off the wagon. You know, we have a hard time getting back on the wagon, and we're distraught about it, and sometimes we feel really guilty about it. We just can't seem to get things back together. We have fallen off the wagon. We have fallen off the track. The apostle... Paul, Saul, was that way. He had made some grave mistakes. This guy knew the Bible. He had a passion for God, but he made a grave mistake. He was persecuting Christians. Something that he felt terrible about all of his life. He was, pers- he was arresting them. He was at the scene of the first martyr of the Christian church while they threw rocks and split his head wide open. Stephen, he was right there grabbing people's coats so they could kill the guy as quickly as possible. He was breathing murderous threats. He's making his way to Damascus to arrest men, women, and children to haul them away. And on his way there, he is struck by God. God says, 
Why are you doing this? You're making a mistake. And he is distraught because his life has fallen off the wagon. He is way off track. And then what we're told next, he fasts and he prays and he repents and he returns to God. If you need to return to God, if you're not where the place you know that you need to be spiritually, fasting is a wonderful way, fasting and prayer, to get back on track with God. That's what Paul did. Look what it says in Joel. The book of Joel is so much about fasting. It says, declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And afterwards, check this out, what's going to happen? I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. Some of us are weighed down today by mistakes that we've made. But we can get our lives back on track. God wants to lift us up. He wants to take the guilt away. He wants to lift our heads once again. He wants to empower us. He wants to help us overcome our temptations. He wants to give direction to our lives and answers. Look, there's no guarantees here. It's not like, oh, okay, well, John said I could fast and boom, like the genie in the bottle. It's all going to work out. No, but what you can say from listening to the lives of people around you, the video today, reading the Bible, is there seems to be tremendous power when we fast and we pray fast and we pray i encourage you to think about this tuesday we're going to gather there's an announcement in your bulletin at arlington baptist down the street fasting that whole day sundown to sundown good news is we're going to end the fast with a pancake supper okay but we're going to gather and we're going to put a piece of paper in your hands when you walk into that church down the street and you can write as many things on there as you want the salvation of the world or the salvation of your mother your finances, your direction, your health, whatever it is, you can write it on that paper, and we're going to fast, we're going to pray, and then we're going to, just like they did in the temple, we're going to burn incense before God, and we're going to place those papers on top of that incense, and it's going to go up before the Lord. And it's a wonderful thing. Who knows what will happen? This morning, if you want to begin right now praying about something, our prayer team is going to be right over here. They're always over here. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you. Begin that journey today. Go to the prayer team. Have somebody pray with you. Walk you through that process. If there's something else you're praying about, any of these needs I just talked about this morning, pray about it. Consider fasting it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for the simple and the straightforward, profound and powerful plan that you put before us in your word. God, I pray that you would help us, God, to understand what you're saying to each one of us. Lord, I feel like, God, you're calling us to link arms as a church family, to pray for our community, to pray for our world, to lift up the need to enter into the fullness of life that Jesus Christ, you talked about in the Gospels, that we would experience life and life to the full. Lord, help us to do that. Help us also to overcome temptations, to find answers, to find victory, to find protection, to find direction. In your holy name. Amen.